0: Leviticus 26, guys, this is our second to last sermon in Leviticus ever, which is awesome. We've read every verse in this obscure, Jesus-centered book. Um, And we're going to, we actually kind of have a lot of verses tonight. We're going to read the entire chapter. So that's, how many verses is that? 46 verses. So this is going to take about three or so minutes So get comfortable. um, And we're going to read God's word. Let's do it. God is saying to us, to Moses, to Israel, you shall not make idols for yourselves or erect an image or pillar. You shall not set up a figured stone in your land to bow down to it, for I am the Lord your God. You shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. That's pretty pretty much summing everything up right there. And then he says this, if you walk in my statutes, And observe my commandments and do them. Then I will give you rains in their season and the land shall yield its increase. The trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing, whatever that is, shall last to the time of the grape harvest and the grape harvest shall last to the time for sowing. And you shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land securely. I will give peace in the land and you shall lie down and none shall make you afraid. And I'll remove harmful beasts from the land and the sword shall not go through your land. You shall chase your enemies and they shall fall before you by the sword. Five of you shall chase a hundred and a hundred of you shall chase 10,000 and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. I will turn to you And make you fruitful and multiply you and will confirm my covenant with you. You shall eat old store long kept and you shall clear out the old to make way for the new. I will make my dwelling among you and my soul shall not abhor you. And I will walk among you and will be your God and you shall be my people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt that you should not be their slaves. And I have broken the bars of your yoke and made you walk erect. But if you will not listen to me and will not do all these commandments, which is pretty much summing up the whole book of Leviticus, if you don't obey this, if you spurn my statutes and if your soul abhors my rules so that you will not do all my commandments but break my covenant, then I will do this to you. I will visit you with panic. With wasting disease and fever that consume the eyes and make the heart ache. And you shall sow your seed in vain for your enemies shall eat it. I will set my face against you and you shall be struck down before your enemies. Those who hate you shall rule over you and you shall flee when none pursues you. And if in spite of this, you will not listen to me, then I will discipline you again sevenfold for your sins and I will break the pride of your power I will make your heavens like iron and your earth like bronze and your strength shall be spent in vain for your land shall not yield its increase and the trees of the land shall not yield their fruit. Then if you walk contrary to me and will not listen to me, I will continue striking you sevenfold for your sins and I will let loose the wild beasts against you which shall bereave you of your children and destroy your livestock and make you few in number so that your roads shall be deserted. And if by this discipline you are not turned to me but walk contrary to me, then I will also walk contrary to you and I myself will strike you sevenfold for your sins. And I will bring a sword upon you that shall execute vengeance for the covenant. And if you gather within your cities, I will send pestilence among you and you shall be delivered into the hand of the enemy. When I break your supply of bread, 10 women shall bake your bread in a single oven and shall dole out your bread again by weight and you shall eat and not be satisfied. Side note, that's like the worst for me. But if in spite of this, You will not listen to me, but walk contrary to me. Then I will walk contrary to you in fury. And I myself will discipline you sevenfold for your sins. You shall eat the flesh of your sons and you shall eat the flesh of your daughters. And I will destroy your high places and cut down your incense altars and cast your dead bodies upon the dead bodies of your idols and my soul will abhor you. I will lay your cities waste and will make your sanctuaries desolate and I will not smell your pleasing aromas and I myself will devastate the land. So your enemies who settle in it shall be appalled at it. And when I scatter you among the nations, And I will unsheathe the sword after you and your land shall be a desolation and your cities shall be a waste. Then the land shall enjoy its Sabbath as long as it lies desolate while you are in your enemy's land. Then the land shall rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. As long as it lies desolate, it shall have rest. The rest that it did not have on your Sabbath when you were dwelling in it. And as for those of you who are left, I will send faintness into their hearts in the lands of their enemies. The sound of the driven leaf shall put them to flight and they shall flee as one who flees from the sword and they shall fall when none pursues. They shall stumble over one another as if to escape a sword, though none pursues. And you shall have no power to stand before your enemies and you shall perish among the nations and the land of your enemies shall eat you up. And those of you who are left shall rot away in your enemies' lands because of their iniquity and also because of the iniquities of their fathers, they shall rot away like them. But if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers in their treachery that they committed against me and also in walking contrary to me so that I walked contrary to them and brought them into the land of their enemies, if then their uncircumcised heart is humbled and they make amends for their iniquity. Then I will remember my covenant with Jacob and I will remember my covenant with Isaac and my covenant with Abraham and I will remember the land. But the land shall be abandoned by them and enjoy its Sabbath while it lies desolate without them. And they shall make amends for their iniquity because they spurned my rules and their soul abhorred my statutes. Yet for all that, When they are in the land of their enemies, I will not spurn them, neither will I abhor them so as to destroy them utterly and break my covenant with them for I am the Lord their God. But I will for their sake remember the covenant with their forefathers whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations that I might be their God. I am the Lord. These are the statutes in rules and laws that the Lord made between himself and the people of Israel through Moses on Mount Sinai. It's God's word, let's pray. Lord, you say, this is the one to whom I look. He or she who is humble and contrite and trembles at my word. So God, right now, we, we, God, would we tremble at these words. These words are are horrible, Lord. If we rebel against you, God, would we take these words seriously? Like this is is true. This is reality. This is what would happen if we deny you and walk contrary to you, God. Would we be humble and contrite right now? God, these aren't my words. These aren't some organization's words. These are from your mouth. These are God-breathed, Holy Spirit, you inspired these and and you speak them to us, Lord. And and I, I just trust that they're useful for our correction and for our good and for life. So Holy Spirit, right now, just come. Man, would you just help us? We probably have stumbling blocks and questions and maybe we're offended. God, would you just, Holy Spirit, come right now and make your word clear to our hearts. And above all, would you show us Jesus. We love you. This in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so imagine you're at like this dinner table with some of your closest friends, okay? And it's like the weather's nice, whatever the situation is, like the lights are dim, there's candles, maybe fireplace, maybe like live band in the corner. Like it's just the perfect situation for like dinner. And conversations are are happening and it's getting deeper. And then then the conversation turns to this question, okay? What is, for you, you have to answer this. We're gonna go in a circle. What is the good life? What's the good life? Think about that. Someone answers, you know what? I'll be honest, it's just this life of pleasure. Like, I don't wanna have to work hard. I just wanna like have everything I want and need. And I just wanna enjoy like the good, the marrow of life. Maybe someone else answers, yeah, that's cool. But like, honestly, I wanna live a life of like significance. I wanna live a life, I wanna like leave a legacy. Like I wanna live this life of purpose. And then someone else is like, you know what? That's all good. But like, I wanna enjoy that with people. My, my answer is like, I want just deep, meaningful relationships. Uh, my honest answer and I, I thought of this is um, I would be living in a cabin on a river in Montana with this big upstairs library and fireplace and my family's there and that's, that's pretty much it for me. So I guess I'm like the pleasure guy, that's mine. Um, but honestly, right now, think. just take a quick second, be honest, what's your answer? What's the good life for you? What is the good life? So see so you answer and then another question comes up. It's, it's like a little bit heavy. It's like that guy who asked the heavy question and uh, they say, okay, what would the ultimate curse be for your life? Like what curse would be the most just devastating thing to happen to you? The opposite question, right? Like what's worst case scenario? One curse over your life. Like maybe it's like to receive a terminal illness. Maybe it's for your loved one to receive a terminal illness. Uh, Maybe it's, I never get a loved one. I never get that person, that significant other. Uh, maybe for some of you, it's like, I never get the job that I wanted, like that significance uh, for me. maybe it's, I never get to taste food anymore. Honestly, like that's honest. my honest answer probably. Like that would suck. Cause for me, my greatest joy is in the good things of life. Um, now, listen, when, when people think about God and people think about the Bible and they think about following Jesus in religion and all that stuff, Words come to mind like discipline or maybe worship or devotion, maybe sacrifice, maybe commandments, right? Like those are the words that come to our mind. Uh, And do you know what word often doesn't come up is joy. A word's kind of rare. Did you know that God is after your joy? Meaning God wants you to have so, God literally wants you to have more joy than anything. He wants you to have the absolute most amount of joy possible. Do you know that? Do you know God is for your joy? He's after your good. He's after blessing you. Do you think that when you think about God? Do you, do you know God is like, hey, I want to offer you the good life. Do you know that God says, I want to offer you the good life? Like who made life? Who made you? Who made everything? Who made your nerve endings? Who made like significance and relationships? Who made these things? God did. God says, I am after your joy. I'm not in the business of robbing you of your joy. I am a, a giver who wants you to have the good life. That is true. And if you, if you don't know that about God, like you're actually worshiping another God. That's, that's actually true. You're not worshiping the God of the Bible. If your view of God is he's trying to rob me of my life and my joy and the good life and the good life is found somewhere else. Uh, and I'll just say it right now, that's a satanic lie that the good life is found somewhere else. That's literally what Satan did to the first people in the garden. They had the good life and Satan said, did, did God really say? And he says, do you know where life is found? Apart from God apart from what he has ordained. The thought in your mind, in your heart, in my mind, in my heart, that life is found apart from God is from Satan. And so this chapter, Leviticus 26, is actually, it's kind of like, in some sense, it's the summary of all that came before it in Leviticus. God is essentially saying, if you obey me, if you obey and he just, you know, all the things that we've walked through, the good life is offered to you, and, uh, and I like that. If you were here on the first abide ever, it started with the the first words were, "And the Lord spoke to Moses." Okay, so what this book is is God speaking and giving commandments. Right, that's what this book is: speaking and giving forth His commandments. And what God is saying here is, if you hear and obey what I say, my word, my commandments you will have the good life. And then he says, if you don't obey, and then, you know, that ridiculous amount of verses we read on like the worst thing ever. God says, if you do not not obey, it will not go well for you, to put it lightly. So here's what we're gonna do. This is uh, a little bit quick. We have 10 points, 10 truths from this chapter that we're gonna pull out like, what does God say about the good life? Okay. What does God say about obeying his words? Point number one, obeying God's word naturally leads to life. Okay. uh, The emphasis on the word naturally, like it will just happen. Obeying God's word naturally leads to life. Uh, One of the purposes when God gives his commandments is just to tell you, hey, this is how life works. This is like how I made stuff. This is how I made the universe. This is how, this is like, this is just how things are. Uh, if you want to know how life and relationships and humans are just designed, like obey me because God's just saying, this is how things naturally work. I'm going to read you a verse from Joshua 1:8. God's again, summing up his law. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will, you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Listen, God is just saying, Hey, do you want to like be successful? Like just listen to how I've made things. The whole book of Proverbs is God just saying, listen to how I've made the world. Just, this is some wisdom. If you obey me, it's going to go well for you. Uh, it's just practically beneficial for you to obey. It naturally goes better for you. Like like I've said this before, God made life. He made your body. He made creation. He made everything that there is. And so he would know how things are to work. He, He was even saying here in this chapter, he's like, listen, your land will... When, it, when you let a crop rest, when you give it some, a break, it'll end up yielding more fruit. When you let a human being rest in Sabbath, you'll end up just having a better life. He's saying, when you obey my commandments, you're, it's just gonna go better. God designed this all and he's saying, obey me and your life will n- like naturally just happen. Uh, even practical, like the idea of, of, we should preserve human life and not let people murder each other, like that actually, do you know where that came from? That actually came from this book. Literally, that, actually that idea. What a concept. We shouldn't murder each other. Uh, the, the concept of, hey, family and marriage is better than adultery and just sleeping with whoever you want. That idea came from this book. The idea that like, hey, people's property should be protected and you can't just like take whatever you want from each other. Like that came from, that came from God. Did you know that? The idea of truth should be protected over lying. Like you can't just say whatever you want. Like that idea came from God's commandments. The idea that we should care for poor people and broken people versus social Darwinism. Hey, you're weak. Sorry, you got to survive in this world. Do you know where that idea came from? That came from the Bible. That came from God. And the more we just obey this, the better like society and life. It's just going to be better. It's just going to be better, which I'll actually get political real quick. This is why I think there's benefit to like laws that line up more to like this book. I I just think it's better. Even if you're never gonna become a Christian, I think it'd be better for you to be raised in a society where people aren't getting murdered, people's stuff isn't getting stolen, where marriage is like between a man and a woman. I I think it's just practically better. That's like a very controversial thing, but there's my cards. Um, Here's another one though. In our culture, so here's, here's here's pretty much the most difficult one. There is so much, uh, I want to be gracious, but there is a lot of confusion over the issue of gender in our culture. It's just the world we live in, there's a lot of confusion. Like right now, you're like, you've probably heard many ideas about gender. Um, and listen, let's be, I want to be, be real. Our culture and our celebrities uh, are on it. This is what they're claiming a new authority. Hey, we've figured this out. Guess what? We just figured this out, guys. We figured out the issue of gender. Um, we're the new, we have, we're, we're, we have this authority and we're gonna tell you this is what it means and this is what it doesn't mean. Um, listen, God actually has something to say about what it is to be a man and a father and a husband. And God actually has something to say about what it is to be a woman and to be a mother and to be a wife. God didn't, Ignore that topic in this book. And I will uh, just venture to say that he knows what he's talking about, that God is a, is a better authority than what's popular in our culture. I know that's not a popular thing to say, but, but I believe that God has something to say. And I believe that when we study it and try to understand it, it will, it will, be, it will lead to life it will lead to flourishing. I believe there's, it's actually better to, to, to go to God and his word, to be like, what does it mean that I'm a woman? And what does that mean as a wife, as a member of the church, as a member of, go down the line. I believe there, there's actually like life in this book. I believe that God isn't like trying to screw women. I actually believe he's, that's so inappropriate, sorry I just said that, but you get, you get what I mean. God's not out to like ruin women's lives. I actually think God created women because he loves them and he has an idea of how he made them and how you are to flourish as a woman. I believe that. And and I would just say as a teacher of this book, there's more life for you in this book than in whatever society at the moment happens to say. Um, Again, I'll say like, we've, we've taken what is in this and twisted it. the church has not done a great job. I'll say that, but, uh, but there's truth here for you in what it means. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll let it be there. Um, and, uh, if you were, last thing I'll say, if you're like wrestling through those issues, because you you probably are, and you probably should be, because that's like the world we're living in. Um, I want you to hear this. Hey, God loves you. If you're confused on this issue, guess what? Jesus loves you. If you have like a radical idea that's not in this book, guess what? God loves you still. He loves you just as you are with your ideas. And he loves you enough to say, hey, there's more flourishing in in this book for you. Jesus loves you enough to say, listen, listen to me. Listen, I have something to say. Uh, One more issue on this. Uh, Another one is sexuality, right? It's related. Um, And I just wanna get, honest and personal. So my wife and I, we've been married for almost six years. We dated for five years before we got married. And we were like classic, uh, struggling with like physical boundaries. How far is too far, right? That's the question. That's literally the question. How far is too far? What can we do? What can we not do? Uh, we, we grew up like in the church. We knew sex was for the context of a covenant relationship, meaning it's like reserved for marriage, um, but we were like, okay, but, but like, what's really the boundary and what can we get away with and what can we not get away with? And, uh, everything in me at that moment, when we were in a situation where we shouldn't have been said, do you know what? But this just feels right right now. And then I'd say, yeah, but like, we're going to be married. Like we're engaged. We're going to be married. Like, uh, like I, this, I've, it's this person. I love her. I want to express love. People are like, hey, listen, you need to know, are you compatible in this area? Like all of these things in the moment is like, I should just push that boundary. Um, and I, I literally want to testify, sadly, that when we got married, you guys, I only regretted pushing that boundary. I, there was not a single thing I was like, I'm glad we did that. Not a single one. Uh, the discipline to have self-control Do you know that's important in marriage? Guess what? I didn't have it. Trust that is built that says, hey, I can wait. I'm a kind of man who can say no to temptation. That wasn't there. Like, honestly, Ariana's like, okay, so he's not trustworthy though. How can I trust him? What happens when he's tempted with another woman? I had no credibility, you guys. I gave in to what felt good. The idea of denying oneself The idea of self-control, guess what? Didn't have it, I didn't practice it. The idea of uh, love is serving another person and putting their wants and their needs first before mine, guess what? I didn't have it, I didn't have it. It was about me and how I felt in the moment. And so I just wanna testify, I suffered for not ordering my life according to God's commandments. Our relationship actually suffered. Um, and we had to like start from scratch. Like we literally had to start from scratch, which sounds ridiculous, but we like had to build up self-control and trust and denying temptation and denying myself and pursuing one another. There's a song of Solomon says, do not awake, awake awaken love until it's time. Do not awaken love until it pleases. You guys, I just want to testify to you. Don't awaken love until it's time. I just want to testify. It sucks. Don't do it. God has something to say and it's better. It is better to trust him. I'm gonna close this long point that they're not all gonna be this long with this verse. Uh, Flip to Isaiah 48 real quick. If you have your Bible, flip to Isaiah 48 verse 17. This sums up this point. Isaiah 48, 17, and 18 says this Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, listen, who teaches you to profit. God wants you to profit. Who leads you in the way you should go. Oh, that you had paid attention to my commandments. Then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like waves of the sea. God is like, I want to bless you and profit you. I wanna give you peace, but you're not listening to me. You guys, it is true. The more we obey this book, it will just go well for us. Uh, This next one's really related. This next point's related and it'll go quick. Number two, disobeying this book will naturally lead to death. Disobeying it will lead to death. Um, you know, all these warnings God gives, hey guys, if you don't obey me, your land's gonna fall apart. You're gonna, lo- you're gonna be in slavery again, all your crops. Guess what? That happened. We actually have historic accounts that they did not obey and they lost the promised land. It was barren. The temple was destroyed and they went back into slavery. Their kingdoms and communities and crops and relationships and worship fell apart. Um, and by the way, that just naturally happens. That happened to them. Uh, I've, I think I've said this here before. I'm gonna say it really quick. Um, imagine God made this little fish in a pond, right? And it's just, it's just swimming and it's loving life. And then someone, this little seagull comes by and sits on a rock and it's like, hey, listen, do you know what real freedom is? It's to be out of this water. Aren't you so sick of being constrained to this water? Look at all those animals out there. Look at the squirrels. Wouldn't it be so nice if you could just run free and do whatever you want and there was no rules and no boundaries? Aren't you sick of this little pond that you have to live in? Aren't you sick of these boundaries? And the fish is like, yeah. What am I doing here? I'm sick of this. And so the fish leaps out of the pond, lands on the shore. It's free from all boundaries, all, you know, like water. It's like, I'm I'm sick of breathing water. I want to breathe air. And, And he's laying on the side, dying. You guys, God says, here is life. And if you go that way, if you want to be free from me, you will die. You just will die. Uh, This is so heavy, you guys. I've literally seen, I've literally seen my friends' and people's marriages fall apart because they thought they were smarter than God and his commandments. Like, I've actually seen that. Maybe, do you know what? Maybe I could have two marriages. Maybe I could have another family. Like, some of my best friends, you guys, I've seen their lives fall apart. I've watched firsthand is people are continuing in depression because of their refusal to stop a behavior they know is against God's commandments. I've literally seen it. I just, it's like, it's just depression. But they're not willing to budge. I've seen seen some of the most naturally joyful and charismatic people become dull and numb and sad because they are choosing lifestyles that are apart from God. Like some of the most charismatic, most enjoyable people, and they're just dull and broken. I've seen the smartest human I know, some of the most bright, intelligent people, become so confused and lost about what is true in reality because they've decided to be their own authority on what is true. I'm smarter than this book. My mind is authority. God is not my authority. And I've seen the most brilliant people literally get to the point where like, how can I know anything? It's all chemicals in my brain and they're lost. I've seen some of the most relational and compassionate people turn bitter and angry and isolated and frustrated because they chose to cut themselves off from the church because they didn't agree with God's commandments. Some of the most loving relational people are isolated and bitter. I've seen people jump from job to job, church to church, friend group to friend group, and never obey what God says about be content, be faithful. You guys, that's our generation, side note. That is us. Job to job, church to church, friend to friend, relationship to relationship. Because what God says about being content and faithful, that doesn't apply. I'm gonna find something else for myself. You guys, when we disobey God's word, we are choosing death. <sighs> Point number two. Uh, but listen, there's actually more reasons to obey God than it's just gonna go good for you or it's just gonna go bad for you. It's not, we don't just live in a world of karma, cause and effect. We do partially live in a universe where you reap what you sow, but that's not it. Point number three is this. Listen to this. Obeying God brings his direct hand of blessing. Like, not only is it going to go well for you, God is like, I will get in your life and bless you. Obeying God's word brings his direct hand of blessing. Listen to this, Proverbs 3.33. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the dwelling of the righteous. Remember when he says, I will give you rain. I will give you peace. I will make you not afraid. I will remove harmful beasts and the sword shall not go through your land. Five shall chase a hundred and a hundred ten thousand. 10,000. I will turn to you and make you fruitful and multiply you. I, God is saying, I will make my dwelling among you. Guys, yeah, this, is, this is so good. Do you know God actually intervenes in history and does stuff? Do you know that? Uh, Noah, Noah was directly blessed because he trusted God and built this boat in the middle of the desert. It like went well for him. God was like, yeah, you're gonna be saved when I literally judge the world. Joshua was directly blessed when, when God is like, listen, I want you to march around this giant city. That makes no sense. And God made the walls fall down and they received victory. Joshua didn't earn that victory. God blessed him. You guys have heard of Daniel was directly blessed when he was, went against the laws of the land, was thrown into this cave with lions. And God is like, no, the lions aren't gonna eat you today. It's, it doesn't make sense, you guys. God blessed Daniel. His friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, this is like us in our culture. Hey, you need to bow to this. You need to honor this idea. You must bow. And they said, we're not bowing. I'm trusting in God. And God literally preserved them as they were thrown into a furnace. The men who threw them in the furnace burned up. And they're just like wandering around in this furnace. God directly blessed them. And you guys, Jesus was directly blessed when he obeyed God and died. And guess what? Rose from the dead. God will directly bless you. And, and I'll just say this right now. We're gonna get a little more. This is gonna clear up. It's more complicated than... Uh, hey, if you obey God, you're going to get everything you want. And if you obey God, you're never going to suffer. That'd be nice. Uh, But listen, it's true that God blesses those who obey him. It is true. And then point number four, the opposite is also true. When we disobey, it brings God's direct hand of, of, I don't know what the word would be. It brings his direct curse on our life. When we when we disobey, it brings the curse of God. He says, I will visit you with panic. I will set my face against you. I will make your heavens like iron. I will continue striking you. I will let loose the wild beasts against you. I myself will strike you sevenfold for your sins. Man, there's something terrifying to hearing this stuff. And it should be terrifying. When we disregard the God of the universe, listen, listen, he doesn't just passively sit back and watch your life fall apart. He actively gets involved and makes your life fall apart. He actually gets involved and opposes those who will not obey him. We, you guys, we see that in the Garden of Eden. Again, the temptation was like, "Hey, don't obey! Don't obey God! Life is over here." Did God really say? Does God's word really say? And and listen, Satan is doing the same thing to you and me today and tomorrow. He's saying, he's giving us all these excuses why we don't have to obey God's commandments. He's giving us all these excuses. Well, if really, you know, did God really say if there's actually more life? That's what he's doing. And when we think we can find life and we're wiser than God, listen, we will always lose when we disobey. Not, we will lose. God, God says, I will directly oppose you. Um, And that's as devastating as that is. Point number five is a little worse. It's worse. We have all disobeyed. That's the boat we are in. Um, Part of knowing God's word is we know his story. And we know that the story has already unfolded such that humanity has said, no, we're going our own way. That's you and me and every human ever uh, born. Um, you guys, we are born under the curse of God. We're actually born under the curse of God. Some of you honestly are like, am I cursed? Like, honestly, maybe. If you don't trust God, the answer is yes. You guys, the entire planet and every human and animal and tree and moon has been tainted with the curse of God because of rebellion and, uh, you know, like, society is like, no, is that really true? People are people really sinners? But, like, there's no one who's going to stand up and be like, hey, I'm perfect. I, I'm not. I'm not cursed. I'm perfect. Um, and then on top of that, when we look at what God has told us, uh, I just it's clear we are under the curse. I'm going to read you really quickly six sad verses. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Psalm 14, two to three says, the Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand, who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. Jeremiah seventeen nine. the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Romans 3, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Titus 3.3, 3, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. In Romans 11.30 says in the NLT, once you Gentiles were rebels against God, but when the people of Israel rebelled against him, God was merciful to you instead. Um, again, this idea, you guys, does not fly in our culture, our culture hates the thought that this is what our culture says. They say, listen, people are already beat down. People are already depressed and insecure and guilt-ridden. They don't need to hear you're also guilty. They don't need to hear you're a sinner. Like our culture says, listen, people are already broken. This is what the answer is, society says. We just need a higher view of ourselves. We need to, to like just value ourselves and think positively and, and do good stuff. Yeah, we're broken, but people don't need to hear that they're wicked sinners. They're already sad. Just people need to hear, hey, you're awesome. So get your act together. Like that sounds nice, but how ridiculous is that? What, what news is that to a broken world? Do you know what? You guys just need to start thinking positive positive? and then all the wars will stop and all the suffering will just stop. Like we live in a really broken world. And God helps us understand why and where that came from. And uh, yeah, what if God is right? What if we are together wicked and rebellious? Um, I would say that that is true. But listen, point number six, you guys, our God takes the curse upon himself. I don't know if you just heard that. God takes the curse on himself. Though we are sinners and rebels, God became a man. Jesus went to a cross and took the curse on his own shoulders that us rebellious, wicked people could turn and trust in him. And all of the curse we deserved would go to Jesus. And all the blessing Jesus deserves comes to us. You guys, that is our God. We are guilty and under the curse. And God says, how about I take the curse instead? He does that for all of us. You guys, two verses, Romans five nineteen. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, that's us. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. And 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for our sake, God, he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. You guys, God is merciful to sinners and takes the curse on himself. Some of you are like, man, am I cursed? Listen, some, some of you Christians are like, I think God, I'm still cursed. I, things aren't going well. Listen, if you have trusted in Jesus, every curse has been broken. Jesus took your curse. You will never be forsaken. You will never be cursed. No curse that some whatever person or demon or Satan or God himself can stand against you because of the blood of Jesus. You are set free from every curse in Jesus. And do you know what I love? God's heart from day one to Leviticus, to now, is always one of a savior. In verse 13, Leviticus 26, 13, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, that you shall not be their slaves. Listen, God has always been rescuing people. He's always been doing that. And listen, he always gives his commandments after he saves people. He's like, how about I save you and free you? Now listen, come walk with me, it's better. He doesn't say, hey, and listen, you guys, some of you think this every day. Some of we, us think, do you know what? I gotta obey God and then, and then he'll love me. I gotta obey God and then I'll be forgiven. I gotta obey God and then I'll be set free from my sins. Listen, you were rescued before you did anything good. God mercifully saved you by his grace and now says, now that you are set free, hey, this way to life, come walk with me, come experience life. And I love that God's heart is always for sinners to come to him. Even as he's describing these curses, do you notice he's like, listen, if you don't turn to me then, I'm gonna keep doing it. And then if you don't turn to me then, I'm gonna keep doing it. And his heart all along is like, turn to me, come to me. Yeah, I'm gonna make your life horrible so that you realize how stupid it is to do life apart from me so that you turn to me. He's always, that word was discipline, He's like, I'm just gonna make your life miserable until you come to me. God's heart is to love and rescue rebels so that they could have life. And God is so patient with rebels. If you read this book, you, like, you will be sick of Israel. You're like, you guys are ridiculous. And God is so patient and so patient and he continues. And then they still don't get it. And he's like, do you not know all come myself and save them in the person of Jesus. You guys, some of you right now are not right with God and you need to know God loves you and is ruining your life because he loves you so that you would come to him. Some of you are are Christians and you're walking in sin and God's gonna ruin your life because he loves you. And he says, come back to me. God, remember he says, if only you would repent, that offer of just confess and repent. Repent means I'm going this way I'm stopping. I'm not doing that. I'm going back to the Lord. You guys, some of you are Christians and you are in sin right now. You're in sin. God is saying, the opportunity is open. Come to me. Now listen, this is important. Point number seven is uh, this. Disobeying God's word because of the blood of Jesus is severely dangerous let me say it. So some of you guys are like, yeah, I know about Jesus. It's awesome, right? All my sins are forgiven. So I'm going to kind of like do what I want, but then I'll like repent. I'm going to do what I want, but like, I know before I die or like eventually on Friday, I'll come and I'll repent. You guys, disobeying God's word because of the blood of Jesus is so dangerous. I'm going to read you, uh, like, maybe the most terrifying verse in the Bible. Verses Hebrews 6, 4 to 8 says this Listen, if you're a Christian and you are in sin right now, and you're thinking, it's okay, I'm just going to repent, like, when I want, this is for you. It's so heavy. For it is impossible. In the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift and shared in the Holy Spirit, tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then fallen away to restore them again to repentance, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding him up to contempt. For land that has drunk the rain, that often falls on it, and produces a crop useful to those whose sake it is cultivated, receives a blessing from God. But if it bears thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed and its end is to be burned. You guys, honestly, I think that one of the biggest dangers of, uh, I think we get the blood of Jesus. Like we know about it. We know about the grace of God. I think one of our dangers is to go on being like, yeah, grace of God. So it doesn't really matter how I live. It doesn't really matter if I obey. Thinking we can just repent later. You guys, this verse says, if your life is bearing thorns and thistles, it is worthless and near to being cursed. If your life right now is bearing thorns and thistles, you guys, Jesus is saying, repent, turn back, stop holding the cross up to contempt. And do you know what else? I'll just say this. Remember when it says it's impossible to do that? Do you know why it's impossible to go on sinning after you've received the grace of God? Because that's not what a heart does. That's not what a heart does that's been rescued by the blood of Jesus. That's just not what it does. A heart that's been rescued, that used to be in slavery, that used to be a stone and then is brought to life and sees the beauty of God, it doesn't say, that's cool, but like, I also just wanna live my life in sin. That's not what a saved heart does if that's you, you're still cursed. You need to repent and be born again because a heart that has been rescued, this is the next point, it loves to obey God. A heart that has been redeemed and rescued loves, loves obeying the word of God. If you've been saved, you love to obey God. You love Jesus. You actually love this book because it's life and you may not do it perfect, You won't, but you love God and you love his commandments. And listen, when I was in college, I didn't love this book. I knew the answers. I knew the right stuff, but I hated this book. And when I read it, it was just burden upon burden upon burden. So my heart was dead, you guys. It was dead. It's not enough to know the right answers, do the right things if your heart is dead. If your heart is born again, you love God obeying God. You love his word. You may fall. You may sin. You're going to repent. You're going to come back. But at the deepest layer in your heart, you love God and his commandments. So listen, if you don't love his book, you are cursed. You have a heart of stone. You need to be saved. You need a new heart. And listen, it doesn't do any good to like keep doing it, keep faking it. God's like, I don't want like your stuff. I don't want your like religious performance. Just be honest with me. If some of you guys are like, I just don't love this book. Be honest tonight, like with the Lord. God, like I honestly don't want this and ask him for a new heart that loves him and his word and loves to obey. Two more, point uh, number nine. And here's a question. This is a valid question. Okay, so I've, I've been born again. I love the Lord. I love his words. Uh, does obedience now after the cross still bring blessing? It's a valid question. And I'll say this, point number nine is this. Our obedience as a Christian is first to carry a cross. Then eventually a resurrection and blessing will come. Um, Psalm fifty-eight, eleven says, surely there is a reward for the righteous. But I want you guys to know this. If you're a Christian, your reward is in the next life you will receive blessing. It will go well for you. Uh, But Jesus also said, it's gonna go bad for you and you're gonna suffer and be hated and persecuted. He said, I'm gonna call you to like, put me before your family, before your stuff. Like you may move to a different country and have a crappy life and tell three people about Jesus and then die. Like following Jesus, remember how, what Jesus did? He obeyed by picking up a cross and dying. If you're a Christian, that's what your obedience looks like. I'm gonna pick up this cross and I'm gonna obey my God and then I'm gonna die. But then there's a resurrection and it will all have been worth it. You guys, every, this is so important, every time you say no to lust and pornography and bitterness, it will be worth it. Your obedience will be worth it. And Jesus is even like, hey, don't store up like stuff now. Like think like practical, you're gonna live forever. How about you store up treasure for that? How about you obey me and follow me and think about your eternity where I will bless you. So obedience in general, it's better to obey Jesus in this life. It's good, you're, it's gonna be good for your relationships. It's gonna be good for your finances. It's gonna be generally good. Um, but listen, and this is, this is true, if all you're doing is being a Christian for this life, Paul says, hey, honestly, stop. You're missing out on at least the fun that sin has. He says, if you're obeying Jesus for this life only, you're the most to be pitied because you're, you're denying yourself and then you're not even enjoying like the world. Paul's like, at least go do that. Listen, if all you are doing in following Jesus is for this life, you're wasting your life. The blessing is not this life, it's the next life. It's our resurrection. Our blessing comes in heaven. We look to another home. This world and this life is not our home. We're like Abraham walking, pitching our tent, knowing the promised land's coming. And Abraham died without having, like, enjoying all the promises. But he's with God now, and it is worth it, you guys. Um, I- I'll just say this too. We don't obey Jesus for a temporary blessing. That's that's called the prosperity gospel. Uh, we don't obey Jesus for more money and stuff and health and ease of suffering. That's not what Jesus said. He says, you're gonna have trouble and you're gonna carry a cross. I may bless you from time to time, and he does bless us, but then he may take it away like Job. And like, are you gonna be okay with that? Are you gonna be looking to the next life? And then the last, the last point is this. We obey God's commandments to get God himself. He said in verse 12 of Leviticus 26, I will walk among you and be your God. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Strive for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Listen, I want to be holy so that I can see God one day. I want to obey so that I can get God. You guys, all the best parts of life, I've, like, they're like little drops from a fountain. I want the fountain, like I want the source. I want God himself. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And I, because ultimately when we obey, we're getting the presence of God. We get to walk with God. It says, Noah walked with God. I just, I want that. I want that. That's why uh, we, like this is called abide because the great end is not some life of sacrifice. Do you know what the great end is? It's God. Himself enjoying the presence and goodness and fellowship with God. That is what we are made for. Relationship, intimacy, worship, fellowship with God. And if for nothing else, I obey because I get to be with God, like that's enough. And so, um, this is why we spend a lot of time in worship after the time in the Word because we like wanna be with God. Like, like, I wanna go be with God. You were made for communion with God. And so tonight, like, let's go after him. Like, let's seek him. Let's seek his presence. Some of you guys, like, need to confess your sin. You need to confess your sin where you've gone astray. Repent and come back and enjoy God. Come back and enjoy him. We're gonna have a prayer team where, listen, you will not surprise them with your sin. I guarantee it. Um, We're going to have carpets up here where you can just get on your face and humble yourself. We're going to have communion where you can remember that God took the curse for you. He was broken for you so that you could be with him. So I'm going to pray. And then together, we're just going to enjoy the presence of God. God I thank you for your word. We would be lost without it. We wouldn't know these truths without it. We wouldn't have made up these things apart from you speaking, Lord. God, I ask now that we would we, we would submit to what you have said, Lord. We would humble ourselves. Jesus, I thank you that you took our curse. That you've made a way for us to be back with God again. Thank you your ways are higher and better and more full of life than our ways. Jesus, I even just, man, this was kind of heavy. and um, But you, you like a good father, are, are willing to discipline and correct. And, and you say you do that to, the, to your children because you love them. So we thank you for your word and, and we trust that you love us. That's why you speak truth to us, Lord. I pray against any lie that you um, are only harsh, that you are only... To be feared, God. I I ask that you would we would believe that you are, you love us and are for us and are merciful to us and you are, you want us to experience life, and that is in you, Lord, and in your ways. So, Spirit, would you just do a work in us now as we seek your presence? We do what we need to do. We come now, covered in the blood of Jesus, God. If there's anyone who's not yet covered in His blood, I ask. Holy Spirit, you would, you would wake them up. You would give them a new heart and they would see you as beautiful. For the rest of us, help us to worship you now.